Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Thalic Cast for this season. And we're back again. And Shrewsbury Town is full of drama. We're back again, Chris. N- not more than a moment away. So I definitely do feel like I chat to you more than my wife at the moment. Yeah, I think my wife is starting to get a bit suspicious, Ollie. Probably going to start checking my messages soon to see what we're actually up to. But yeah, here we are again. And um, and this evening we're joined by Dan. Welcome back on the podcast, Dan. Hi, guys. How are you? You okay? Yeah, very good. Thank you. So it's a interesting day. We've been waiting for this for over a month now since the last game um, against away at Lincoln um, when Steve Cotter did a very emotional and post-match press conference. And it's been announced now that Steve Cotter has left the club. Um, so in the podcast this evening, we're going to run through a bit about, you know, kind of our reaction to the news. We're going to do a little bit about kind of like what we understand is the background around Steve Cottrell's departure from the club. Um, We'll also then cover, um, we need to give a lot of time for this, lads, the statement from the club, I mean, connection to Steve Cottrell. Did you hours for that one, Ollie? Hours is a big section of the podcast. Um, And then we're going to cover the separate statements from the chairman and the manager as well. And then um, also um, get some uh, memories of Steve Cottrell and, and then also then look ahead who we think might be manager or first team coach who knows there's a lot of unanswered questions around the club at the moment so I think it's probably the best place to start um, is kind of reaction to the news and I think it's fair to say um, Dan we're not surprised not surprised I mean we've been waiting for this for a long time it feels like an eternity but as you say it is a month which is an awful long time in the life of a professional football club I have to be honest, the the statement from the club, which we'll get to a bit later, was was rather underwhelming. Um, And I felt that the statement from Steve Cottrell was was very good. So we're going in slightly different directions here. There's one bit of PR that's very good and one bit that I think is a bit more questionable. So, yeah, it's been a busy day. Lots has happened, but I'm still not awfully clear on where we're going, if the truth be known. So um, I'm hoping the next seven days will bring a a bit of clarity to that particular issue. And Chris? Yeah, I mean, as you say, not at all shocked. I don't think, I think you'd have to be um, not, not a very big Shrewsbury fan to have been shocked by what's happened today. Anybody who vaguely follows what's going on with our club could see that this was coming. So no surprise at all. Relief in a way, because we did need some clarity. We did need something to happen so that we can move forward. Because, you know, it's we're into June now. The team by the end of the month should be coming back for pre-season training. We'd like a squad in place. So Some teams have started pre-season training. Yeah, Burnley are back in already, back, which they? is absolutely bizarre, isn't it? But yeah it's just to me so relief from that point of view and sadness as well you know so we'll come to this later I've not always been Steve Cottrell's biggest fan I've found his football tedious at times obviously the last season has been an improvement certainly in terms of results anyway but I've not always loved it but at the same time sadness because yeah he, he delivered a top half finish for us and he certainly gave his all for the club. That's the impression I got from it. The, the phrase that they were, he was always on about was that we're everyone's all in. And then you'd hear his players saying the same thing. Luke Leahy on that podcast that he does was always going on about the lads being all in. That was clearly their buzz phrase. But you could see they meant it. You know, and it, we'll get to this later in the pod. The reaction from some of the players—they're sad as well. So this sadness today as well. So yeah, I think Steve Cottrell deserves our thanks and. Uh, and our appreciation and maybe a bit more appreciation than he's been given. Yeah, I thought it was a nice um, tweet um, from Stuart Dunn from BBC Shropshire. And he said, Steve Cotter can reflect on a job well done at Salop. Incredible how he managed town from hospital bed when he was so ill. Leading the club to top half, League One finish last season was impressive. Building a strong connection with the, um, the fans and players. And I wish him well for the future, which I think is quite a nice statement. Yeah, he did do well. Um, you know, there has been success. Um, there's lots of questions which we'll come on to in the in the chairman's statements, which make you wonder what's been going on over the last year or so, or six months at least. So yeah, lots of unanswered questions. But yeah, we're going to kind of delve through what we can um, as we go through the, the podcast this evening. In terms of what kind of where this all kind of and how we got to this point, maybe we'll kind of take a bit of time and it's a few minutes here and just kind of almost p- pitch together all the kind of little things that we've heard. Um, in terms of what's happened with Steve Cottrell. So um, I first heard that Shrewsbury Town were over budget um, going into the January transfer window. And I was told that we couldn't really afford to buy anything else because we were already over budget. And if, for those who know, there's a salary cap effectively in League One where you can only spend 60% of your income on wages. 
Um, and that kind of came true in the sense that we obviously sent um, O'Brien out on loan to Gillingham and De Costa had his loan terminated and returned to Coventry. We only brought one player in on loan. So obviously that's fair to say, you know, you get two out. O'Brien was probably on a decent wage. Obviously the wage bill has come down. And then you hear things and you hear rumours and you hear sources telling you things um, and you hear that Steve Cottrell wanted to sign more players, um, but the chairman was was saying no. Um, and apparently there was an almighty row um, that ended, um, effectively ended, I, I hear, that their, their working relationship. Um, and, you know, between the manager and the chairman, the relationship was not in a great place. And, and when that was feels that, like that? Just so that we're clear. When was January. That that's what I hear. That's what I've been told. Happened in January, all around the transfer window, um, and effectively, um, we see it, didn't we? At the Bristol Rovers post-match, the, the the manager was not made aware about this implementation of a football board. We don't really know what a football board is yet. Uh, hopefully, a couple will explain it. So that was a little bit of what happened back in January, um, and then if you ever remember, remember Chris. Um, pointing this out quite um, quite regularly on Twitter, how the, the Steve Cottrell keeps commenting in the media about the lack of budget, which I imagine would have annoyed the chairman. It definitely got the fans' ears turned. And there's a lot of people saying that the, it was the club's, the club should be giving the manager money effectively and in, increasing his budget and giving him more money to spend. So that turned a lot of fans and were, were kind of arguing on, for the manager's case at this point. It was when he was saying it as well, Ollie. So, I mean, I yeah. think it was even interviews in February after we'd won matches. So when we were going through that good run, the, you'd, you'd do a post-match interview with the manager. I'd get back in my car after a game, put Radio Shropshire on, expecting to hear, you know, bubbly Steve Cottrell. We've just won our fifth game in a row or, or whatever. And more often than not, what we actually got was a slight, slightly flat Steve Cottrell, pleased with the result, and he'd say how well his lads had done or whatever. But then there'd be, always be comments and little snipes about their budget being twice what ours is, or that he can assure us they've got more money to spend than we have. And it was the regularity of those comments. It, it made me start thinking, you know, is everything right behind the scenes? And I think I tweeted that once or twice. And yeah, over time, that just picked up, didn't it? And more and more people started commenting on it. But the signs were there quite a long way ago, right back to when we were actually going well. It was a, it was a very clear theme running through a lot of post-match and pre-match sort of conferences with a, with a manager. And then um, we got to then the end of the season, Bristol Rovers time, uh, Lincoln game, um, and in that kind of the week after that, around that time, there was multiple sources and people were talking uh, a lot on social media about potential overspend. Um, and there's a number of tweets online on Twitter at the time that people were talking about bonuses and travel um, and, and medical costs were apparently the cause of the reason why we've overspent. Now, obviously, we have no idea whether that's true or not. It's hard to comment too further on that, but that's what people... And that's what people are kind of coming to a conclusion on. In the lack of actual clarity from the club, um, people will speculate uh, to what's going on at the club. On the back of that, and you could say that's all, you know, fans making stuff up potentially, then you get a statement on the 9th of May where the chairman comes out, I'd like to reassure you that our club's future is very safe. And whilst we continue to monitor and analyse regularly, the, the early financial indications are a matter of concern. And despite regular financial meetings and warnings that spending has greatly exceeded income and budgets and it continues unabated. So that kind of reconfirms, that's a statement from the club, that kind of reaffirms a, a rumour potentially that the club and Steve Cottrell has, has overspent. Yeah, I mean, the, the financial aspect of it, I, I simply can't comment with any authority. And, and quite frankly, nor can the vast majority of people who are interested in Shrewsbury Town. We, we just don't know. Um, what it looks like is an old school bust up. You've got a chairman that wants to control everything, and he is the oldest of old school chairman in my in my experience, just as an outsider looking in. And you've got a and you've got a manager who wants to control everything, and they've had a huge disagreement. Now, not not even they are going to stand there and say, "Well, we've had a disagreement," and he's the chairman, I'm the manager, therefore I lose. You know, that's not, not even Cottrell said that, quite frankly. But it looks like that's happened. Now, the overspending of a budget we're a small club, Ollie. You know, I mean, if, if Cottrell thinks that we can spend X and the chairman says that we can't, then we can't. You know, it doesn't matter, really, if Cottrell wants to spend more. I mean, more details may come out on this. But if the chairman says you can't spend the money at Shrewsbury Town, then it's very difficult to find a way that you will. This idea that you speculate to accumulate to improve the team, I love it in principle. 
But in, in the cold light of day, Roland Witchley is not the man to, to back you in that situation. So I can't really comment on the details. And it seems a bit pointless to do so, to be honest. But what it does look like is two very big egos have clashed. Remember, Cottrell had a year left on his contract. You know, he's not walked away. It's not Paul Hurst who's gone to a bigger and better club. And that's a bit harsh. It's not necessarily bigger and better, but they are bigger. And they, they want to be in the championship pushing north. Um, we, Cottrell's gone nowhere. And we don't know what the wording of this is, really. There's certain words that are definitely not being used. No one said sacked. No one said mutual agreement. I mean, clearly, there's some background machinations there about the right wording. And all of it, to me, actually looks quite straightforward in the in the round. And that is two big egos have clashed. And when you're the chairman of the club, you're going to win. And that's what's happened. It's taken you know, a month, at least a month, to get there. But that's that was the outcome we all expected. And it's where we got to. Yeah, it's taken five weeks, and which potentially is not just simply how much money do I want negotiation on on fees. It's a very long period of time. If it is, it's a very if it's just money, it's a very very long drawn out stubborn um, negotiation. But it is complicated by the appointment of a director of football. Exactly, and this this is where it gets like I really do scratch my head because. I mean, you would have thought the director of football have signed up to a set of principles about who he's working with, um, about what he can and can't do. And it's really interesting. His statement didn't state what his job was. He said what his job was at Cheltenham, not actually what his job was at Shrewsbury Town, which I thought was quite interesting. Absolutely. It could mean a million things, that. Um, And maybe we'll get onto this in a few minutes. But but I find that position really interesting. I mean, is this something that, 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 that is, is it a position that's going to be helping us move five years down the line or is it just another way of getting Cottrell out question mark and if you know the answer to that you're better men than me because I don't know but it just seems a really odd thing to be doing in the middle of an argument between two very big egos and then so I was surprised in that statement from the chairman about the financial um, concerns and the future is very safe I didn't expect the chairman to tell me the future of the club is very safe why isn't it safe <laughs> so I think that needs answering and then he continues he said, while we await expected Premier League funding and the resolution of a delay in a very substantial transaction, which could ensure a return to reserves to near pre-pandemic levels, all the cash has gone. So there was over a million pounds. There was £2.3 million in the bank a couple of years ago. Then it went down to 1.5. Where is it now? And I think it's clear what he's trying to say, but it just created more confusion for fans and it gave us more questions than answers. And also that doesn't have to be massively controversial. We've come out of a pandemic. We, and, and I think most town fans would recognise we've got a better team now than we had, we've had in, 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 in you know, recent times. And that's not going to come cheap. So we probably have spent a bit more money. But to use this as a, you know, the existential future of the club is fine, folks. It's at, when someone tells me that, I think it might not be. The very fact they're telling me that worries me. So, so I, I just don't really get it. And in Roman I don't get it. It always throws up more questions than it answers, right? Yeah. And the, when when fans were talking about, because I when I saw this about overspending, I was the same as what you were saying, Dan. I was like, no way. You can. How can you overspend? You have the basic wage. You know what your players are on. But then quite a few people were talking about well bonuses. What if you give them a lot of players relegation? You know, say keeping safe from relegation bonuses. What if you get to certain appearances? And that is one way potentially that the club um, budget could increase dramatically. Late in the season, lots of bonuses kick in. Um, maybe that's what's happened. I don't know. But again, um, we're, we're, we're left speculating of what, what's happened um, with the club at this point. But so, do, yeah. Do you not think, though, Ollie, and perhaps this is one for Chris, really, because Chris has a, has a PR background where Ollie and I just like talking. Um, the communications from the club on this, I think, have been... The word I would use is classless. And it, it's been the case for the last six weeks, including the statement today, um, that there are certain times where you've just got to act like a grown-up. You've got to say, thanks, folks. We've achieved this. And we have achieved stuff. It's not that hard to think of stuff we've achieved. And just to show a little bit more dignity about the way you deal with things and deal with people. And I feel the club's really not done that, particularly over the last 24 hours. And it and that's annoyed me more than anything, actually, the, the classlessness of some of the statements. So I agree entirely with that, Dan. I mean, I guess I want to hold my powder dry for when we get to the statements and talk about those in a bit more detail in a bit for the two statements today. But yeah, throughout this period, some of the communications has been very strange. I think the big thing at the heart of this, again, I'm speculating, but I would suggest that Brian Caldwell basically controlled that side of things in the past. 
he's gone. So who is, the chairman seems to be doing that on his own now. Who's who? Who's he got to listen to it? Who's who can influence him and make him see things differently? Maybe Brian could. He has a media team there, but they're not people. I suppose they're not in the senior staff at the club, as it were. So I'm not sure that Roland Witchley would give them any any say in these matters. And he's doing it his way on his own. And right now he's got no one around him to tell him otherwise or, or direct him otherwise. And that, that's, a, that's a big problem for me because all these statements have, you know, they, they smack of him, don't they? They smack of him slash lawyers. I suspect we'll get to that in a bit. Some of, some of today's cons, I'm sure, involves lawyers as well. But I, th I think it could have been done differently. And I think if we still had a chief executive with Brian Caldwell's clout working alongside him, it would have been done differently. Yeah, the, the the quotes I was um, the statement of the quotes I was referring to a moment ago was a five hundred word statement with twenty eight paragraphs. Not the best written article and um, statement in the world. Um, and then talking of, of great statements, so we've been waiting since Lincoln away five or so weeks ago, and then we finally get a statement from the club. This is the statement from the club. Steve Cottrell has left his post as first team manager. The club would like to place on record their thanks to Steve for all of his hard work and commitment during the last two and a half years, taking us from a relegation place in League One to 12th in the table, and also for working from his hospital bed during COVID-19 pandemic. That is not a statement of a, of a community-based football club. Um, that is 63 words which don't really do justice to the work that Steve Cottrell has done. And Ollie, the fact he wouldn't do justice he was working to anyone in... who's managed our club for two and a half years, no. no matter how good or bad their record. Chris? I was trying to scroll. To, when I read it, I got to the end of that paragraph and then there was like a graphic. I genuinely thought that was in the middle of the page and I was trying to keep scrolling. I was like, where's the rest of it? And then I actually refreshed my phone because I thought it's not loaded properly. And then my phone loaded again and I was like, no, that really is it. That is the statement. And it's just... It's it's dis the only thing is I suppose at least it, Brian Caldwell didn't even get this he didn't even get a thanks very much he didn't get a thanks for your good work there was what there is a paragraph that acknowledges Steve did some good work here but that, yeah, it's it's not enough is it it's not a good enough statement by any measure of any measure of anybody as you say someone who's been here for two and a half years and been through what he's been through actually in that two and a half years we'd have expected a bit more now I would say this statement has probably gone through lawyers on both sides so steve cottrell's lawyers the club's lawyers there's probably been lines in it that both sides insisted on being struck out because one party or the other didn't like it and you probably end up with this paltry statement as the only thing that both sides could agree on to print and i mean that's that's again that's pure speculation from me but, but maybe, i would, Chris, I would but imagine that's that why it's so short cottrell statement for the lma because that was a very good statement i don't know if you want to touch on what he said there ollie but i, I thought that was a a, a classy statement it sounded like you know somebody had drafted it who, who writes these things a lot but that's fair enough that's what they get paid for right but it just it's got a whole different feel to it and i'm yeah. sure lawyers look at that stuff too did all mention of the chairman didn't it or the board it was a statement about his players and the fans which was deliberate obviously to because presumably he can't comment on any of the other stuff his statement can't say you know I'm, I'm, I'm appalled at how I've been treated or there's nothing like that in there there's nothing in there about fall out falling out with the board or the chairman or anything like that which again I'm sure he even if he wanted to he couldn't do but yeah it comes across as a far more classy statement it does and, and I think you know I think, I think there's I'm sure there are reasons why the town statement is as it is but whatever those reasons are we've not worked hard enough We've not done enough to make that statement better. 63 words of anodyne nonsense is um, is just not good enough. And I think Ollie's point, and quite thought of it this way, you know, if we want to see ourselves as a community-rooted football club, we've got to do better than that. Mm. You can't treat your people like that and expect people to think you're wonderful. That's just not 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 the way it's um, it's going to be. And I think the chairman's statement actually makes it worse. When I saw there was another statement, I thought, oh, okay, maybe he's going to say more in here and he's done it separately. And I read it and I thought it was worse. Okay, I'll, cha I'll channel my inner Roland Witchley then, guys, and I'll give it a read for everyone. As a lifelong supporter, as well as chairman and custodian of Shrewsbury Town Football Club, it is my first priority and duty to secure and protect the club for future generations. From time to time, circumstances arise when difficult and unpopular decisions have to be made to safeguard the very future of our club. We currently find ourselves in such a position and we would be failing in our duty if we shirk those decisions. Unfortunately, because of confidentiality restrictions, it is not always possible to keep our supporters fully informed. 
Premature leaks and gossip only exacerbate the situation, fueling different agendas. Going forward, be assured that management structures and new football strategies are already in place. The rationale for the actions we have taken will become more evident in the coming weeks and months. Interesting statement, Chris, from the chairman. Again, more comments about the future safety of the club from a financial perspective. At least there is some hints that there's going to be some rationale shared with the fans over weeks and months, which gives us some encouragement, I guess. But yeah, what was, what was your reflection on that? To me, it made it feel worse, to be honest. It just made me feel like, I mean, when he talks about safeguard the very future of our club, we find ourselves in such a dire, such a position and we'd be failing in our duty if we shirk these decisions. He makes it sound like the position was catastrophic, frankly, and that without sacking Steve Cottrell or without, sorry, I shouldn't say sacking, without getting rid of Steve Cottrell or without them agreeing for him to leave, somehow the very future of the club was in, in doubt. That doesn't make sense to me. How was Steve Cottrell on his own bringing our club to its knees? I just... I just don't understand those sentences and just feel if you're going to say that, if you're going to say that the club's very future was at stake here, then I think there needs to be a bit more explanation because that, frankly, is a bit scary. What were and the decisions that needed to be made? Those are my questions. Well, what, what, well the decision the, the, appears to be sacking Steve Cottrell. Exactly. Oh, sorry, removing the, Steve Cottrell. There are swipes at Cottrell all through that. And, and I get that they don't get on. But there's plenty of people I don't get on with in life. But in public, you sometimes have to actually behave like you're not seven years old and write a statement that has a bit of grace. I just don't know why he's done it. There should have been one better statement from the club and he wouldn't have needed to do this. And you're a future manager looking at this? (laughs) Future player? Future sponsor? Question mark. (laughs) What, What do you make of that? I mean, do you think, right, Okay, it'll be different with me? I mean, there's always people who take managers' jobs or football clubs, but you're not sending a great message out, I'd have thought. I mean, there may be, there may be things about Steve Cottrell's position within the footballing community. It may be that he, there are people out there who think that he's, you know, he's not the best man to run, run football clubs anymore. So maybe that there's a trend that, that doesn't really sit nicely with Steve Cottrell. But my goodness me, he's betting a lot on the fact that people might agree with him on that. Um, and I just think it's bizarre. I think it makes no sense. Um, and I just wish he'd tell me I was wrong and why. The reference to leaks and gossip as well. I, I thought this man's been working in the football industry now for over 30 years. He's been chairman for about 27 and he was on the board before that. Does he know how football works? This has been obvious since the end of April that something was going on. We're now in June. Football fans are going to talk. It's our nature. He wants them to be talking about the football club and excited, surely. That's why we go and turn up every week and spend our money. If they're not going to tell us anything, we're going to try and work it out for ourselves and we're going to talk about it and we're going to gossip about it. Chris, That's what football, football fans, fans do. This what is the human beings of, do. This is the languages of people in power who don't want people coming up to them and questioning what they do. But I think the broader point that Chris makes is, is, is beyond that, actually. It's just about an inability to, to deal with things that don't quite go his way. And, and if you're a prospective manager of the club, then you're, not, you're going to notice stuff like this. And, and I mean, I'd, be, I'd really like to know what the new director of football makes of it all. I mean, we're not going to find out. But, um, you know, he's jumped into all of this and, and we know nothing about his role. It, it just seems to me that we've got one man making a lot of moves here, a man who's done very well for us over the past quarter century. You know, he's put us in a position where we're a decent League One club. He's, there's a sustainability about what we do. So why behave like this? Why look so insecure about it all? Um, and I, I don't know what the answer to that is. Yeah, it's, it's again, a lot of questions that need to be answered. And think, hope, fingers crossed there can be some clarity over time. Um, but in terms of statements, there was one good statement released today, Dan. There was, yeah, and I, I'm not, not always the greatest fan of the way Cottrell has dealt with the media. I think at times he's been very prickly, very spiky, he's been rude, um, and I think you don't always have to be that way. You, you, you can be a better, a better person in front of the cameras than Cottrell sometimes has been, if I'm being honest with you. But this statement today, and it's released by Steve, or on behalf of Steve Cottrell, so I don't know if he actually wrote it, but his name's at the bottom of it, is, is what I would have expected in tone at least, from the club. And I'll, I'll read it out. I'm proud of the work that has been done by everyone in the past two and a half years at the club, from fighting relegation to a top-half finish. I'm confident this team will continue its progression next season. Working through COVID was tough, and I have to thank my incredible staff for their help throughout. I'd also like to thank the players. 
It's a fantastic group that gave me absolutely everything, right up to the last game of the season. The relationship I had with them was very special. When I joined Shrewsbury Town, I wanted to create a connection between the supporters and the team. Thankfully, after a lot of hard work and your help, we achieved that. Finally, to all of you Shrewsbury Town fans, ole, ole, ole. Love and best wishes, Steve. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, well, it's a really classy statement, isn't it, Dan? I mean, it's it comes across as authentic. It comes across as him, actually. So I'm, I'm sure he's had help from the LMA, but that you can hear his voice in parts of that statement. So it feels genuine. The relationship he's had with his team was obvious all season, and that comes across in the statement. And, you know, he's, he clearly had built a rapport with a lot of fans. That's been clear through the reaction today to the news on social media. And he references that as well. So it's a classy statement. He says all the right things and avoids all the horrible stuff, frankly. There's no pops at the chairman in there. There's no nasty little digs that you can read into. It's just a classy statement that says thanks. And, you know, he's clearly sorry to be leaving the job. But, yeah, he's, he's the one who comes out of it with credit there because it, it reads well. And I don't think you have to be a genius to put it in those terms. I think Cottrell's definitely no. got advice, but the, the club has just not done that. And the club, there could have been a hundred ways where you could have said something similar, uh, you know, about about sort of the last two and a half years. And, and Cottrell's got it spot on there. And respect you to him. Yeah, he's, he's influencing, you know, winning friends and influencing people, isn't he? He's doing the simple things right been some nice informal statements as well hasn't there on social media today from some of his players after the news and they're perhaps worth touching on as well yeah just before we do that i just want to have bring a bit of balance there was a time when steve cottrell was not so friendly and not so media smart let's put it that way when he was ranting um to lewis cox and Stu dunn and he was very prickly early on in his in his reign so, yeah, it's good to see that Steve has put a good statement out to finish it. But I think, you know, don't want to dwell on it for too long, but I think just to keep a bit of balance, he wasn't always like this. Um, so it's good that he has ended on a... on. His, yeah, he knows how to win the fans over. Um, he's an intelligent man. And, yeah, good statement overall, but I just wanted to com- comment on that. But, yeah, you're right, um, to Chris. There's some really good statements um, from the players. Uh, I think the first one came out from Luke Leahy. Yeah, Luke Leahy, some really touching words from him. And Tom Bayliss as well, both of them thanking the manager for what he's done for them on and off the pitch they made references to. So, you know, they've clearly seen him as a, a big influence, not just in their football, but in their life by the looks of it. And they're worried me a little bit because, you know, they they do they look dev- clearly devastated by it, clearly very disappointed by it. And you just think, you know, how, how much do they want to be here now? They're under contract, but they don't they don't seem very happy with things. There's a story well, out there. I, that's that we, I didn't read that. What I read was that they were sort of where we are. That You know, we saw Leahy's into at the end of the season where he said, you know, my contract is one issue, but the club's got other issues to sort out first. And I still got the feeling that no one's really told the players exactly what's going on or, or they don't feel like they understand what's going on. And I thought that came through with these statements. What I would say is football moves on quickly. Oh, yeah, yeah. It does. And, and, it does. and I'm sure these guys will, you know, give it yeah. two months. Yeah. They'll, they'll be running out for whoever they're running out for and giving it a million yeah. percent. There's two other players I wanted to refer to, though, for their comments on social media. One was Taylor Moore, because there's a contract offer out to him, allegedly. And he, quote, tweeted the club's tweet with a a shocked face. He doesn't have to be here. He's probably got other offers from what we're told. I'd say this probably makes it less likely we'll see Taylor Moore in a Shrewsbury shirt again, because his connection to the club is was through the manager, I suppose, and his teammates. But I think it's probably less likely he comes now. I mean, unless our offer is brilliant and it's still the best offer on the table and he comes anyway, but probably less likely. And the other one I wanted to call out was um, Aidan O'Brien. I mean, did some of you see what he did and then subsequently deleted? So he yeah. quote tweeted the club's treat with kind of a mic drop thing. And, you know, he's clearly... he's. I never knew, nobody really knew what went on with Aidan O'Brien. I, I genuinely bought into the whole, he's, he just wasn't settled and wanted to head down south thing. I thought that was true. But watching his reaction to that today, you get the feeling it was more than that. And he clearly had had some ruckus with the manager or fallout of some kind, because that was pretty unprofessional what he did on social media today. And he didn't stay very long, but the modern world, about a dozen people had already screenshotted it. This so. is the Aidan O'Brien who was pretty successful at Sunderland, right, Chris? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that's the Sunderland in the northeast. But we we were told that he was missing his London yeah, home, and, and you know he went back to Gillinger, and, and, and so I genuinely yeah. thought, okay, he's reached a stage in his life when he wants to be closer to his family back at home. Fair enough. But I didn't believe that, that statement today, for a second. But it was a plausible statement. It's the type of statement where I think because I did. 
Yeah, the, the, the club should be <laughs> making statements like that. Sometimes things have not worked out and you, and you need to iron out the process to, to help all parties move forward. And it's exactly what we've not had today. So something's happened there. And just seeing that reaction as well. And he's still our player. He's still under contract. So does he now think, brilliant, new manager, and he actually will come back and play for us. But at the same time, he's, he'd be returning to a changing room where they seem very loyal to the manager. So I'm wondering how they all feel about him as well. And that could be an interesting to dy- dynamic to watch as well. Although, like you said, Dan, footballers are used to this kind of thing, I suppose. And it could all get brushed under the carpet very quickly. But I just thought it was worth mentioning. I thought it was interesting because you don't normally see footballers being that huge. Human. Uh, social media gives us that insight sometimes that you wouldn't have got 15, 20 years ago. You wouldn't see their reactions to this kind of thing. And sometimes now you do. And it was just fascinating to see that. Be interesting to see how, how the players react um, if we hear anything else. Um, but in terms of yeah, football players, you'd expect them to knuckle down and, and carry on to whoever the new manager might be, which we'll come on to shortly, whoever that might be. Um, so yeah, we've covered the, the players. Um, and then I did put a tweet out um, to the fans to say, kind of, what's your favourite moment? And there were some big themes in there. So um, quite a number of people spoke about the the, the Ado goal and being ahead at Anfield as their favourite moment under Steve Cottrell. Um, so that was, yeah, Aidan Plimmer. Uh, Aidan Plimmer said that. And Carl, uh, not Carl, he said, and was the Derby away game. Um, and then the Forest Green Rovers at home. A number of people talked about the Forest Green win at home with the late goals against Duncan Ferguson's side, which we talked about in the end of season pod as well. Quite a number of people talked about the Bolton comeback as well. And um, Paul France and Sam Green mentioned those guys, those games. Um, so yeah, a lot of good memories um, under Steve Cottrell. And one thing he definitely had is a team that fought for him. Um, and it's a team that I'm sure you yeah, can be proud of what he did last season. It was, there was always a, a real resilience in the team that he built. And I think that's one of the few things that we want from our from our team, isn't it? A team that works really hard um, and gives it all. And I don't think we ask a lot as a fan base. Um, and that's certainly what Steve Cottrell delivered. Yeah, I, I think the point about the Liverpool game is worth stressing. For seven minutes, we were ahead at Anfield. And yeah. no one will ever take that away. And, and they did know a bad side out on the day, the Liverpool. I mean, that, that is a, the type of thing that lower division clubs will, will, will always uh, be able to cling on to. And, and I, I think the Derby game is a decent call. Coming back from 2-0 down against a side that we all thought was, was going to be very close to going up um, did show a resilience in the team that was uh, that, that was was commendable. And, and we had that frequently. We, we, we're not a bad football team. And we have got a number of very good players under contract. And, and therefore, while today feels a bit weird, there's no reason that it has to be doom and gloom moving forward, providing we find out who are, you know, what the processes are pretty quickly. If I was going to pick out my memories of Steve Cottrell, just I suppose to be a bit different, just to pick out a couple of personal ones, they'd both actually come from the day my son was mascot, one serious and one being a bit more flippant, I suppose. So one was how good he was with my boy that day. And, you know, he was really good with fans when he wanted to be. And he was lovely with him, posed for photos with him. And it was just it was just great watching him be him that day and seeing a different side to him, which was nice. And then when you've got your kid as a mascot at a game, you watch the game from the family stand, which isn't where I normally watch it. And I had my wife with me because she wanted to see my son do this. So again, she doesn't normally come to watch Shrewsbury Town. And her one takeaway from watching Steve Cottrell in action for 90 minutes was, my God, doesn't he swear a lot? That was her memory of Steve Cottrell. And he did. F and blind. That was a game we won 5-1. So I did wonder what he's like when we're losing at home as well. Because, you know, he didn't have that much to swear about that day, but he found a fair bit. So, yeah, that's another memory for me of Steve Cottrell. It's fair to say a few kids then taught, learned a few words from Steve Cottrell. <laughs> yeah, given he's next to the family stand, I'm, I'm kind of happy now that I had my boy in block 17 most of the time. <laughs> we can't hear him over there. And there was a... well, Ollie, I've, I've had a number of people, obviously I live in Berkshire, who have already been in touch with me, three people today, who are Reading fans. And their, their rumour mill has gone through the roof with, with, with Cottrell being, being, being a possible uh, um, Reading manager. Now, yeah, Chris Walder was the, the guy that was being talked about a lot Last week, I don't think he is anymore, but they certainly someone down here seems to think that, that Cottrell may have well have been talking to Reading. Now, I, I don't know if that's true. That was one of my theories, and I do wonder if Witchley was waiting, hoping that would happen, because if he goes to Reading, we don't have to pay him off. And clearly, the Wilder thing's been knocking around for two weeks, and they still haven't appointed him. So yeah, I think that's dying. There, my, so. my sources, who are you know, just fans of Reading, uh, t- tell me that they don't think that's going to happen. But um, you know, it might be two and two equal in five with, with Cottrell and Reading, but one to keep an arm. Be quids in, wouldn't he? If he's had a payoff from us today and then landed a job at Reading, where he'd presumably get a pay rise. Yeah, yeah, he would be. There was a, a comment um, from um, Killy Shrew um, where he said on Twitter that one of his um, kind of kind of 
biggest memories from Steve Cottrell was when we heard that he was he was well and he's recovered from COVID and just kind of taken us back to that stage. It was a weird time. Obviously, we were watching football games um, on the internet and we couldn't go to games. Um, this, this manager wasn't there. We had Aaron Wilberham with his um, infamous um, AirPods in his ears talking to the manager and you heard the stories of, yes, yeah, Steve Cottrell being told by nurses to calm down and obviously that's not his style. Um, and obviously then we had the interviews when he came back, which I thought was quite heartfelt. And yeah, he did build a, a connection with the club and the fans. I saw another response to that, Ollie, that's came in, coming in the last sort of hour from Murray James, always good for a left field response. And he, he just said one word, Pike mania, which I thought was quite <laughs> good. Because he, and I, I guess I was part of it because I said he was going to be the breakthrough player of the season. Um, less about that, the better perhaps. But there was a period where Akil Pike suddenly looked like a, really, uh, you know, a reasonably good footballer. And so, yeah, yeah that, that was a, a, a fun time. So yeah, we're going to talk about footballers actually that he's developed as well. Just quickly, Dan Udo, he's a he des he deserves a mention for Steve Cottrell because in the summer of 2021, at the end of that season, I think most fans expected Udo to be released. Quite a few people thought he wasn't good enough, and quite a few people were surprised when the manager kept him on. And he went on to score 15 goals the following season. And now we're all dead excited that he's coming back from injury and hopefully will be our talisman again next season. And if Udo does go on to have a solid career, he will owe a lot to Steve Cottrell because otherwise his, his career looked to be heading back down the leagues again rather than up. He definitely helped develop, but he brought some good players into the, into the, the club and that's one of the legacies that he'll leave. We've got a good good core um, of players available for the director of football and whoever manager, first team coach, whatever role it will be um, going forward as well. So yeah, he certainly leaves us a good legacy. So what next? Well, hopefully it won't take too long to recruit a first team manager, coach, head coach. I don't know what we're going to have um, in terms of them going forward. Um, yeah, some interesting names popping up there. Um, one name that has been mentioned quite a bit on social media, and I've heard a couple of people have contacted me to say that um, there's rumours that Shrewsbury Town are interested in bringing Paul Hurst back. Dan, Chris, what's your immediate thoughts on that? I'd absolutely blooming love it, Ollie. That's my reaction, if I'm honest. It's one of those, it's, it would be a real Marmite appointment, wouldn't it? There's going to be a big chunk of our fan base who would hate it, and there's going to be a chunk who would love it, and I'm very much in the love it camp. Paul Hurst gave me... The, probably the best season in living memory as a Shrewsbury fan, but I thought all 18 months he was here were basically as near to perfect as a manager can be. He was a great motivator of his squad. He kept us up from a position where we had a, a squad and a, and a points tally that said we were in deep, deep trouble and he kept us up with ease and then built on it the following season. I love the guy and I, I would love to have him back and I just don't see anything terrible that he did in going to Ipswich Town. To me, he I know it could have been handled better, but he's a football manager who got a chance to move up a league and it happens all over the place and there's plenty of Shrewsbury fans will come back at me and tell me I'm talking rubbish and he's a snake and whatever other words get used out there. But to me, I, I have no issue with it then. I have no issue with it now and I'd love to see him back and I'm going to shut up and let others give their view. Yeah, I'd love to see him back. And it's fascinating. It's like, it's been a really weird thread. I, I For the end of season podcast and for this particular podcast, I did the points per game um, analysis. So I could have a look at it and it's fascinating Paul Hurst took over Shrewsbury Town, bottom of the league table. And he achieved in that season with someone else's players, including getting rid of Ivan Tony and all that kind of shenanigans he had to sort out, he got 1.32 points per game. Steve Cottrell last season got 1.24. Then the following season, Paul Hurst got 1.89 and we got 87 points. 87 points, 38 more points than this season. That's the third best tally in our history in any division we've yeah. played in, by the way. Paul Hurst is by far the best manager we've had the last, what, probably underneath maybe Graham Turner in terms of getting us into the championship. But in terms of managers in the last in the last um, in the century, he's by far the best manager. And if he came back, yeah, I, I'd enjoy that. What do you think, Dan? Because I don't I knew Ollie was in the same camp as me. I don't know your position on that one. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I, I take your point about the marmiteness of all of this, but for once, I think I am in the middle. Right, but for very different reasons. The point that Ollie's just made about that legendary season twenty in 2017-18, they're points about the past, right? And, and no end of managers, no end of players have gone back to clubs and it's just not been the same as it was before. So I think there's a cautionary tone there about going back. Be careful because people will expect pretty much the same thing that they got before. Yeah. And given that we finished 12th this time round, 
that that will mean like pushing for the playoffs. And if we're pushing for the playoffs next year, we've had a phenomenal season. So th- th- I'm a little bit wary of the going back thing. I'm not I'm not anti Paul Hurst. He was phenomenal in 2017-18. But two further things I'd say. Um, yeah, we got 87 points, but Dean Henderson wasn't bad, was he? That's a decent loan. Danny Godfrey, where did he? Oh, hang on, that's another Premier League footballer. Um, what about Carl Morris? Oh, hang on a minute. He's going to be a Premier, Premier League footballer. footballer. Are we going to get three loans as unbelievably brilliant? <laughs> what he did do is he got a lot out of people like Stefan Payne, who's not a Premier League footballer, but did score a lot of goals in lower league football. So I'm not I'm not saying it was all about those three. It's about the team that he built. But those three players are phenomenal football players. And that that's something we can't, he can't guarantee next time round. So if I was Hurst, he's done a really good job at Grimsby. He's got a really good link with their fan base. I mean, their, their cup run this year was phenomenal. He's taken them out of the National League. Um, I would have thought there'd have to be a very good reason to leave Grimsby, particularly after the Ipswich shenanigans. I'm like you with that, though, Chris. That's nonsense. I've got nothing wrong with him going to Ipswich after after being manager of Shrewsbury Town. That is a step up. Who can who can seriously claim that he was out of order in doing that? You know, rhetorical question. Don't need to go there. So for me, the issue is: Will Hurst really want to come one division up to Shrewsbury, a club where it can only really go worse than it did before? Or, or will he look to try and stay at Grimsby and build on the great things he's been doing there? So I, I wouldn't be averse to it. I'm not going to be saying it's the world's worst appointment, but I'm also a little bit ponderous about whether it's a future-looking appointment rather than a, a backward-looking one. Can I come but back on just a couple of those? I know what you're going to say, mate, and I know which name you're going to mention. I'm going to give fine. two names now, actually. Yeah. So I thought gonna... of another one as well, but yeah, you go for it. So Dan, you talked about um, going back and not always working. There's a couple of really recent examples of where it has worked very, very well. well they're always so. going to be, though, Chris, aren't they? But they're it's, good it's examples. Not, it's not it's an idea. Yeah, I'm going to throw Nathan. Idea. It doesn't happen that often. Give me a chance. Before you debunk go. me, Dan, give me a chance. Go on, then. Away you go, <laughs> So Nathan Jones goes back to Luton Town, and he left them probably more contentiously than when Hurst left us. Went back to a firestorm of Luton fans saying, what the hell are you doing? And promptly took them to the verge of the Premier League and obviously then left again and Frank Rob, Rob's been Rob what Rob's been able to see them over the line. I've forgotten his blooming surname. Uh, Ed Rob Edwards, thank you. Rob Edwards has seen them over the line and got them there now. So but they've done that on the back of the work that Nathan Jones did first time and then again second time on his return. And then the other big example that I think Ollie knows I'm going to say because I put it on Twitter as well was Mark Robbins who went back to Coventry and again yeah was greeted by Coventry fans saying, what the hell are we doing? You know, this guy's the past. We should we should be moving on. He joined them in League Two and they're now, you know, lo- losing finalists in the Championship playoff final. So managers but can go back. Graham and Turner some... came back and didn't do the worst. Yeah, the world, I said the same thing. Somebody pointed out that there was a huge gap between those two ranges, which yeah. makes it a bit different. And I do agree with that. But, you know, it can work. And I would say that sometimes you just get managers who were a good fit at the club. And there was something about Hurst and our club that seemed to work for me. And I, we're not that different to club now to what we were then. Clearly, you know, we've now got a director of football, so I suppose the setup's different. But there's a lot about Shrewsbury Town that's not that much different to when he was here five years ago. And I just, I still feel he'd be a good fit for our football club. So would he, your, your other point about would he want to do it, that's an entirely separate question, Dan. I suppose I was answering the question, would I like it to happen? Yes, I'd yeah. like it to. Do I think he'll do it? That's another thing. You know, it depends on his contract, whether we can afford to pay, buy him out anyway. Uh, it depends on, as you say, whether he fancies the challenge or whether he sees Grimsby in a better place now and that he thinks he's better staying put. So... Yeah, that's that's a different question, and we'll, we'll see what happens. But I suppose if the rumours are true that we're interested, then you know I, it's certainly one that I I was excited to hear about, and I, you know I've got everything crossed that it could come off. Because if it's not him, I don't know who else is out there right now that's a realistic target for us. I suppose that we're going to get. Otherwise, it's going to be some. I don't know if you've got other names, Ollie or Dan, that you wanted to throw in the mix. There's a there's a couple of names that kind of jump out for me. I guess there's almost that debate in there. Do you go for the old school Steve Cottrell experience manager? Is that middle road kind of you know the the younger manager who's had maybe a couple of jobs and kind of wants to kind of rebuild their career like a Danny Cowley or someone like that? Um, there's a couple of names that I thought was quite interesting and yeah, fair play to Shrew's analyst who's been updating a, a thread that he's created with with names. One that kind of stood out for me was the Luke Gerrard at Bournemouth, who's done a really, really good job there in the in the in non-league. Um I quite like that, you know, taking the the, the Paul Hurst type style, taking a young. He's spending a bit of money spot. in non-league though, Ollie. He won't be spending the equivalent amounts for us. 
did we did we think Paul um, Paul Hurst was going to be the manager when we signed him? No Fair comment. Sam Bray, he came from nowhere, no. didn't he? Really? Yeah. Steve Cottrell came from nowhere. Well, apart, apart from he was actually at the ground a few times when Sam Ricketts was there watching the match. Um, but yeah, most of the time the appointments come out of nowhere and we don't really know who they are. So yeah, there's a few managers that are out of jobs at the moment. Dave Artel, um, there's Liam Richardson, Michael Appleton, um, a couple of names. Carl Robinson hasn't got a job as well. Would you fancy Carl Robinson? I can't see him fitting in at Shrewsbury Town. I wouldn't. I haven't really got any good reason for saying that. I've just The guy rubs me up the wrong way. I hear him talk and I don't like him. So right now, no, I don't want Carl Robinson. But if he got the job, I'd give him a chance and maybe he'd win course, me around. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I, no, he's not. He wouldn't be on my list. The key question yeah. is about that relationship with the chairman, right? And, and the director of football. And with the director of football, yeah. 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 But, but, but even then, the, the chairman is going to still play a significant role in, 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 in driving things forward because that's the way he is. So, so I, I think the fact that Hurst knows Witcherly means that he will be able to have a pretty frank conversation with him about what, what his role would be, you'd, you'd have thought. So I think if, if Hurst does come back, he'll come back in the right way, if you know what I mean. He'll come back with terms set and he'll know what he's doing. Eyes new wide people, open, yeah. Yeah, eyes wide open, exactly. New new folks, inevitably, will, will be learning a bit about us as they go along, which can be good, can be bad, but th- th- it'll be different for them than it would be for her, so that's for sure. Do you guys have a preference on kind of manager? I guess you just want a good manager. Well, I know there's a, there's a, there's a group of fans out there, and I, and I, I, I hear them, who, who want to see us play a bit better football. Um, you know, certainly some of the guys I go to go, go to away games with, um, you know, they're sick and sick and tired of seeing the double decker bus parked on the 18 yard line and then trying to catch sides on the break. They're the same fans who cheer and we win one nil away at MK Dons, which was a great one of the great moments for me as a town fan this year. But but I, I, I get it. We're, we're not a great football team to watch most of the time. So I think there's a, there's a feeling that a manager who's a little bit more expansive would be welcomed by those guys with open arms. I, I worry about that a bit because. You know, it's all right playing expansive football, but that could get you relegated. Um, so we need to have a manager who's got who's got a plan, who's got an idea about how he wants his teams to play, and there's some sort of evidence that he can put that into practice. As long as that's the case, then then I'll take anybody. I think that with this director of football we've got now, that you know the, the experience bit isn't maybe as important. In, in theory, if the model's done well, what you're looking for is a bloody good coach. You're looking for somebody who can work with like footballers Duff. and make them better. Like Michael Duff was, yeah, for, for, for our director of football at Cheltenham, yeah. You're looking for somebody who's a great coach and can work with that director of football. Yeah, the guys are laughing because there's a running joke now that apparently... Oh, <laughs> you I'm look so that. much like it's, it's not a running joke. He's your long-lost brother, mate. You're just not aware of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if he, I'll there take his job... people I'll, to be compared to. He's kept himself... I was going to say, I'm, 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 I'm happy with this. If Michael Duff is my doppelganger, it could have been a lot worse. I'll take it. But yeah, I'd love Michael Duff at Shrewsbury, by the way, but I don't think he's going to be in the league. I don't, I don't, think, think, that's I don't think he's got a good chance of winning the league next year. I don't but think he'll join the Shrewsbury yeah. town. We need a good coach, don't we? I suppose in theory, right? In the past, you talk about connections and who they know. In theory, that's less important because the director of football is supposed to have all of that. So, you know, that's how, why it's worked for somebody like Rob Edwards at Luton Town. Probably hasn't got quite the same connections for the players that they would want and the network, but it, that doesn't matter so much because there's other people in the setup doing that for him. So, yeah. You know, I did wonder, would Paul Hurst want to work under a director of football? Because he clearly led his own recruitment when he was here before. But we'll find out over time. But yeah, otherwise, you're looking for somebody who's a good coach, knows what they're doing with our team, and can and hopefully help those players to get the very best out of themselves. But I also that. think that the, the type of character that I see Paul Hurst as, I'm pretty sure if the director of football came to him and said, look, you know, I've got these five players here. These are the stats. This is what they look like. I think they're decent, you know. And he, you'd think he'd He'd go to the yeah, he'd go to the coach and say, "What do you think?" And if the coach said, "No, I think they're all rubbish," then then surely he wouldn't just buy them anyway, would he? Well, when we did that podcast with John Palmer and he talked about how Mickey Moore worked with Michael Duff, and that's what it sounded like they had there. It's not like Moore did all the signings and Duff wasn't involved. Duff was very much involved and had to rubber stamp every single one, but they worked together on it. And Duff Moore was trusted to do some of the legwork, I suppose. And yeah, I, I could imagine Hurst working like that as well. I could imagine him wanting to be very much involved in things and having his yeah. say, but equally allowing a little bit of freedom to more to actually come to him with names and come to him with ideas. And I, I think that's what you want. You want a partnership, don't you, in that relationship? You want them and you both think it'd be, be a breath of fresh air, Chris. You think he'd say, yeah. like, there's this young fullback at this nation, National League side, and we reckon we can get him for this, and he's got this skill set. You know, would he fit into what you want? And the, that sort of discussion, I would have thought, would be really fruitful if you've got a, a coach who's who's open to listening. And you know, I'd I'd hope that any of any of the possible appointments would would buy into that. They've got to, otherwise, why on earth are they taking the job? 
Yeah, it's a nice place to end the podcast, I think. I think it's fair to say we need a, a manager soon. I've seen some people say it doesn't matter, there's no rush. I don't think that's absolute nonsense. We need to get a manager in quickly so we can understand the style of play that we want and can recruit players to fit that manager. Um, and obviously, you know, players will come back from, from the holiday soon. And yeah, we need to start signing players pretty quickly. And if we're behind, you know, we are behind. Hopefully Mickey Moore's knowledge and, and contacts mean we're not too far behind. But you yeah, need to get that manager in soon. And you know, I'd like a bit of boring calm. I'd like a bit of normality. Sign a manager, sign some players very quickly you can look forward to and get excited and I've seen fans talking about it already director of football who knows what he's doing get a good manager in and maybe that's why the chairman wants to get Paul Hurst because he thinks the, the, the majority of the fans will like him um, yeah it's a sports the lawyers are coming fans. to get Ollie right now after some <laughs> of the things he said they've just sort of zoom into his house yeah. Um, so yeah I think I think you know hopefully the future is, is positive and hopefully we can get you know, I'm sure the fans will 100% get behind the new manager and the team and, can um, I just and before say, we know it for Go listeners, ahead. it's worth remembering we have got a dozen footballers under contract, most yeah. of whom are definitely League One players. In fact, most of whom oh, are probably yeah. top half of League One. Yeah. And they will come together and they will, you know, sort of find, we will find the rest of that squad, will develop in some way, shape or form. You know, 23-24 is by no means preordained to be good, bad or ugly. It's all there. To be to be worked on, and we we've got a better starting position than I think many people certainly over the last twenty four hours on Twitter um, would have us believe. Oh, gotcha. You could look at those players we've got right now and almost pick an eleven right now that would look a solid League One team. I mean, obviously yeah. that that would leave virtually no substitutes right now. But you know, it's June the fifth or whatever it is, June the sixth. We've got yeah. time to bring players in. So C- can I just so can I, I think... just one thing on that one, Ollie, very quickly? Go just, ahead. Just, just give me ten seconds on this one. Half-term camps at Ascot United. So there's, there's 100 kids there. One of the coaches sits, some, sits the group down where my two are. And he says, who's your favourite player? And so one of the guys says, you know, Lionel Messi and Ronaldo. One of mine, twin number one, I won't mention which one it was, stands up. They're all rubbish. Jordan Shipley's the best player in British football. <laughs> <laughs> I feel my work is done, gentlemen. So, yeah, thanks for joining me, Chris and Dan, um, at short notice. Maybe we'll be back again tomorrow when we sign a new manager. Um, but if not, we'll have a, have a little bit of a break. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for the interaction on social media. Um, keep smiling. And, um, yeah, we'll be back again soon.